When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Some time ago, a crazy dream came to me. I dreamt I was walking into World War III. I went to the doctor the very next day to see what kind of words he could say. He said it was a bad dream. I wouldn't worry about it none, though. Those were my own dreams, and they're only in my head. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Border Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me to talk about talking World War III blues from the Freewheeling Bob Dylan is my pal and fellow podcaster, Dan Budnick. Hi, Dan. Hey, Rob. It's been, it's been a while since I've been on, on Pod Dylan. I looked, it was, um, it was pre horrible things happening it was just before this was you <laughs> yes, were the last yes. episode you were on was number 25 wow. love was, minus zero yes, no yes. limit in That's 2016 right. yeah. i don't know why it's taken so wow. long to yeah. get you back we've done a bunch of other shows together since mm-hmm. then but you just we haven't done a pod so i'm so happy to have you back yeah, i always hey. enjoy talking to you and especially this was an this was an odd choice yeah. now, <laughs> i expect nothing less from you when it comes to what songs you want to talk about now again we've we've covered your history with with Dylan, but it's but since it's been a little while. Mm-hmm. Like I do want to, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot a little, but like, oh, no, no. have you been keeping up with any? Like, did you buy the latest the latest record, Rough and Rowdy? Oh yes, Days oh yes, like oh yes, oh yes. Oh, I bought it when it came out, and I listened. To, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, I quite loved. It. I, I remember um, the the first night I got it, sort of uh, just in um, a, a way. I used to listen to albums, but I don't really listen to them anymore. I, I kind of climbed into bed, got comfortable, and put on the album. And I just let the album sort of wash over me. Yeah, I fell asleep maybe a half an hour in, but that's going to happen. I fell asleep the night I got uh, Metallica Master of Puppets. Uh, so so when I get comfortable, it doesn't matter. That was a long time ago, of course. But no, I, I, I do, I really like the uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways. I thought, I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was an excellent album. I haven't gone to see him live or anything because I don't leave my house. Right. <laughs> that's understandable nowadays, certainly. Uh, but that's a good, good. That's great. I said that. I, I, is it something that you've been, you listen to it every so often now, now that it's almost, it's what, a year and a half old, it's, I guess. Yes, yes. I, well, it's, it's on my shelf and I'm, I'm actually right now musically, I'm, uh, I'm sort of in a Frank Zappa and Thin Lizzy phase, <laughs> but I got, which, you know, they might not be that, um, interchangeable but um but but no i bob's on there with my springsteen and all my other stuff so every few days i'll grab something i haven't listened to rough and rowdy ways in about it was right before christmas and we're recording this long ago no no it was was about a month ago it was about a month ago sweet all right well that's great that's great like i said it's a bit but it's like for a guy who is old as he is you know i mean he's 80 now and it's been yeah. five years since you've been on the show. It's like for a lot of artists, yeah. it's like, well, not much has happened in five years. Well, no, he's put out like what? Like three records since yes. then? Yes. Done all this guy, you know, put out like yeah. eight bootleg series and the man just keeps moving. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm, I'm behind on my bootleg series, but um, I, I, I'd like you all to forgive me. Well, I am too, because I'm not a, I'm not a, a billionaire. Uh, but okay, well, that, that, that's great. Catch up a little bit. So, talking World War Three blues, Dan. When I asked mm-hmm. you what kind of songs you wanted to talk about, uh, I got to say, when you when you pitched this one out, I had was like, "What album is that one from?" I had to think <laughs> about it. So, I, I mean, wh- why why this song? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you. I'll just say first the um, uh, the freewheeling Bob Dylan. The I think I said I said this the first time we talked, but the first Bob I ever bought that really grabbed me and pulled me in was the Biograph set 
Uh, and then I started to buy the albums randomly. And Free Wheel and Bob Dylan was maybe the fourth or fifth one I bought. And I listened to it. I listened to it sort of side one and then side two because it was a long album and I didn't want to um, overdose on it. I, it was too much. I listened to side one. Then I got to side two. And side two starts off, uh, uh, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, of course. Brilliant. And then Bob Dylan's Dream, which is the other song I was going to ask if we could do, mm. but you've already done that. We've covered that one. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and then... Um, is it Oxford Town, I think, is next, um, I believe. And then you get talking World War Three blues. And the thing I love about it at this point, you're, I mean, it's a, it's a super long album, um, which is great. Um, this is the time when, you know, the Beach Boys were putting out albums like uh, uh, Surf and Safari and Surf in USA, which were 24 minutes. They were 24 minutes and you liked it and you shut up. You did not. Well, the Beatles albums were a little longer. They were more like 35 minutes. But um, Bob was always valued. Lots, you've got lots of value. Um, and, and when you got, when, when I, I remember listening to that album and getting to uh, talk about World War Three blues and it started up and he's playing and he's, uh, and he's, I, I wasn't familiar with the, really with the talking blues um, sort of genre, subgenre. Um, but I got what he was doing pretty quick. And the fact that I figured most talking blues were probably sort of um, topical things. And this was like a sci-fi odyssey. And this is like something out of an episode of the Twilight Zone, basically. And it was funny and it was weird. And you got to the end and you're thinking, and that moment at the end where the doctor says, you know, I'm having these dreams and everyone's having these dreams. And you get that last verse with the, uh, you, uh, we, we'll talk about, you know, the last verse. And it just ends so sweetly and beautifully. And you're like, and you're like, oh, Bob. Oh, and you've stuck this album like two, th- like in the middle of side two, like at a time when bands put their hits at the top of side one and side two, and the rest were was filler. Right. Yeah. You, you you snuck this song in here, and I've always loved this song. And whenever I listen to the album and the song comes on, it it makes me smile. Sometimes it makes me laugh. And by the end, I, I was listening to it last night um, in preparation. I was I don't know if it's it's you know being isolated as we have been for 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 so long here but but i was actually kind of teary-eyed when i was listening to it at the end because it, it it was it was it's lovely and knowing the fact that he improvised it is you could tell that he improvised it in some of it i think um i think we might mention the uh, instrumental breaks with the harmonica i think some of the harmonica playing is him like i don't know what to do next so i'm gonna play crazy <laughs> harmonica but um you yeah you, you can tell he improvised because some of some of the rhymes and some of the things are a little slightly awkward here and there but it all it's it's just such a it's a lovely song it's a sweet song and i love um i love the post-apocalyptic genre and not only um, your road warriors and your your you know your Italian ripoffs from the eighties, but your um, leave the Bronx, leave the leave the we must. Uh, I should have left the Bronx, um, but but also <laughs> your stuff like your um, uh, uh, you know you're on the beach and world mm. flesh the devil, um, even Arch Obler's five, which gets a lot of crap. You know I, I love that, and and just the fact that you know at at, at this 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 point. In time, well, this is this is actually going beyond why I like the song. I think it's a very good song. I'll stop there. I was going into my analysis. I think it's a great song. I think it's one one of the ways you can tell. I think a true, um, just just when, when you're listening to albums, the way you can tell who's the best is go to the middle of side two, <laughs> and if to the middle of side two you either get stinkers or songs that are like 
eh, these are just okay. You may be dealing with um, just an okay band. But when you go to the middle of side two and you get a song that is, is just this imaginative and this much fun, and it's, 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 um, it's obviously he doesn't sing it, um, so I'm not singing along like, say, Bob Dylan's Dream. I always sing along to it. I just adore that song because that sort of feels very personal to me with friends from the past and stuff. This one, I don't think it's, it's not Bob. It's a narrator as far as I'm concerned <laughs> singing it. It's, I mean, Bob's having fun with it, obviously, but it's not like Bob Dylan's Dream is very specifically Bob Dylan's Dream. Mm, this, right. one is, this one is a narrator having this dream. And it could be Bob, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but there's just, it's, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a song. Like I, I played it for my uh, wife yesterday, just randomly. I said, listen to this. I played it for her. She loved it. At the end, she was like, Oh gosh. And I was like, yeah, I know. Right. And that was, that was just, that was just a song. He just, you know, they just went in, he made it up. They played it four or five times or whatever. And then they, they put on the album and it's here forever. Now, you, I, mentioned, I just, you mentioned that earlier that you played it for your wife. Is she a fan of Dylan at all? How, I was like, how new is her? Is, is, is she to Bob Dylan? You played this for her. She, she, she's heard some, uh, she's a, a big Springsteen fan. Okay. She's, she's more the Springsteen side of things. I, I will play Bob sometimes and she'll hear it. Um, but, um, uh, it, um, I, I don't, I don't think she's really a, a big fan. She's never like, you know, when Springsteen's been in town, we've gone to see him. Sure, uh, sure. But when Dylan's been here, it's there's never been a push to let's go gotcha. see him. Because so. I thought that was amazing that uh, that that she would take to it so instantly. When I would imagine this is a hard sell for anybody but the most diehard Dylan fan. So I thought that was pretty impressive that she that it that it, it worked on her so quickly, considering she's not like a diehard fan. <laughs> well, well, the, the, the one thing I did was at the start, I, I, I just said, uh, I, I told her the title. I told her when it was from, you know, the album is what, May 63. Yep. It came out. And I told her, um, because I didn't know what it was. I explained what, um, uh, what is it? Connell Rad was because I didn't know what Connell Rad was. Right. Yes. <laughs> So I expect, and if you hear it, folks, and I don't know, I'm sure some of you are listening, going, "You guys don't know what Connell Rad is." Jejun, no, <laughs> Connell Rad. I, I, I did not know this. Connell Rad was the original sort of emergency broadcast system on the radio. And yeah, I had to look that up. I had no idea. Yeah, and 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 actually, a few months after this album came out, they replaced Connell Rad with the emergency broadcast system. Wow. So if you were a Dylan fan, like coming to it like two years later and maybe like a kid, you would have heard Connell Rad and gone, what's he talking about? <laughs> He's so topical, this Dylan. I don't know, writing about World War Three and the apocalypse. But that, that was all. I, I told her when it was from. I told her the album it was from. And I said, it's a story about uh, the end of the world. And uh, she listened to it, and, and I said, I said, just give me six and a half minutes. And she said, I will. And she got to the end, and we loved it. So, so, so it was nice, yeah. I, I can't imagine, Dan, anyone that would be married to you has got to just be used to the idea of you sitting them down and saying, give me X number of minutes for this <laughs> like indulgence. To, I mean, how else is that going to work? I'd like to be specific. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Because you you don't you don't want to sit someone down and say okay watch this and they're sitting there going whoo how you have to say get the three and a half minutes <laughs> seventeen minutes you know do you have a half hour you know just give me and there's you know there's there's been plenty of and she does this with me sometimes there are plenty of TV shows we've introduced each other to where it's been like 
one episode is like 22 minutes. Give me 22 minutes. You got mm-hmm. it. You got That's it. Good. Yeah. And you, you go. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, there's, uh, as usual with you, there's a bunch of things that I, I want to respond to what you just said. Yeah. Uh, I do want to give a little bit of context for the song is that originally – uh, this album was going to have Talking John Birch Paranoid Blues mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. which, of course, appeared on the, the bootleg series, and he was going to play on the Ed Sullivan show, and that didn't go. CBS was like, no, you're not playing that. Mm-hmm. And then Columbia Records rejected the John Birch song, and he basically you know, came up with another Talking Blues song to fit into that slot, and that's what, that's what this song is. Now, ultimately, John Birch Paranoid Blues is fun, yeah, in in and of itself, and in, and sadly, it's still relevant. Uh, amazingly yeah, yeah, enough, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think this ended up being a much better replacement. I think there's a lot more to this. And the other thing I was, you know, thinking about is like, you know, when you you talked about that, it follows, uh, you know, it, it's right up against Oxford Town, mm-hmm. and obviously, I don't have the perspective of someone who was discovering this guy as he was putting stuff out. Yeah, but I so I can't imagine what it's like to have gotten a record by a guy like this who comes across as sort of like, you know, that he's the, the, uh, the leader or the, or the prince of the folk movement. I would argue mm-hmm. maybe Joan Baez or the Peter Paul and Mary were maybe, you know, ahead of him at that point, but he was a rising star. And you would imagine that the folk movement, it's, it's kind of serious, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of, it's, it takes itself seriously because it's talking mm-hmm. about heavy issues. And you've, so you hear, you've got this Bob Dylan punk who, <laughs> who, sings a what like a, a serious subject like oxford town and yet sings it in the most jaunty upbeat yes, tune imaginable yeah i mean that song is so catchy considering what he's talking about yes <laughs> and then you flip the script and he's got this song which you hear the title and you go well this is a going to be a goof you know world war 3 par- you know whatever mm-hmm. and then you listen to it and you go well actually by the end of that that final verse, he does kind of pulls the rug out from under you a little. We're yes. like, there's actually a lot more going on to this than you would expect. So it's like he's constantly shifting what your expectations are yes. heading into any given song. Yes, he he because uh, the, the the dream is mostly a series of gags, but it's but the 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 event that triggered the dream is horrible. Yeah, and and so the fact that at the end he can he can um. He can he can say please you know and I I, I don't I don't I'm, I I've been working with um, TV shows too long can we spoil the end of the song I don't want to uh, oh absolutely everyone knows this this oh okay good yeah I'm I'm so used to um like talking about TV shows and getting to a point where you say well, I can't go any further than that <laughs> um but this, but this it, it's um the the premise of the song being he's had a dream he's gone to a doctor and he tells the doctor that he 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 just had a dream and stop me rob whenever if if i'm going too fast or or if if you're like i want to talk about you know sh- please i i got all these notes floor is yours um, daniel <laughs> And, uh, you know, and so, so he goes to the doctor and says, I had this dream, uh, walking, we says, what we are, yeah, walking to World War three. And the, um, and the, his, his doctor kind of, um, uh, dismisses him and says, they're just in your head. Don't worry about it. They're just in your head. But then he says a line I love, which is hold it, doc, a world war passed through my brain. And I love that because that's the moment where the doctor grabs him and sits him down and listens. And then at the end, the doctor stands up and says, I've had that dream too, except it was just me. And then you learn everyone's been having these dreams. So the, the pass through my brain 
is is um, well, my first thought was like it was a Twilight Zone episode, and there was an alien in a ship sending post apocalyptic dreams into people's brains mm-hmm. to make them terrified. Uh, but I don't think that's what Bob is saying here. I, I, I think think to me it's like at that time everyone was so worried. I mean, this is um, what uh, uh, a year and a half after the Bay of Pigs, or, or so. I, I might be getting that date wrong, but but um, you know. And, and I mean, it was, it was, it was the cold war was at its kind of at its worst in and around here. And I mean, I know, I know that there were times in the eighties as a kid where I just thought, Oh, we're dead. But um, I think in the sixties, it was, it was, it, I think by the time you got to the eighties, it was almost amusing because it had been so long. We were like, okay, Nuclear war, here it comes. But in the early '60s, I, I feel like there was it was more serious. It was like the first time you did it. You know, like the first time you did it, it's like drama, and the second time is almost camp. And and so I, I, I feel like that um, uh, the the dream having the dream pass through his brain is almost like this, like a young collective unconscious sort of. We're all afraid that we're going to be alone. Although he does say when he comes out of the sewer that he's uh, walks up and down the lonesome town. So apparently does that mean it was a lonesome town before, or does that mean he's saying it's a lonesome town right then that that's, that's something I've always thought that, um, but, but I, I digress. Um, but, but, but the, um, I like the thought that there's just sort of this collective unconscious dream of, um, we're also worried that some idiot's going to push the button and everything will be destroyed and we'll be so alone that everyone has this dream that is their own version of it. And, and that's why the, do- and, and luckily the doctor has had this dream also, because could you imagine the song? If like, uh, I wouldn't worry about it. No, nah, they're my dreams. They're only in my head. And I said, okay, doc. And I left. <laughs> right yeah it would have been a short song and it would have been that great but but the fact that the, the i think the fact that the the fact that the, the world war passed through my brain and the, that moment he grabs him sits him down and listens is to me says okay that that suddenly the doctor wants to hear what's happening and the doctor wants to hear the story because it would be the same more or less story that he t- he would tell hmm. and and at the end of it you get that now i found out i um I found out today that um, the um, <clears throat> in the last verse, what half of the people can be part right all the time. Some of the people can be all right part of the time, but all the people can't be all right all of the time. I think Abraham Lincoln said that. <laughs> now, that's actually, I found out Carl Sandburg said that when I looked it up. Now, I could not find out where that was, but I saw at least three things that said he's misquoting. And I guess he says it himself at one point. Bob says it somewhere that Carl Sandburg said that. I, I don't know that that's, you know, I'm fine with Abraham Lincoln having said that. But then the, the final moment is the, I'll let you be in my dream if I can be in yours. I said that. And the way he said, I the way he says the line, it's a beautiful line. And the way he said, I said that almost laughing is, is just kind of this wonderful ending where it's like, um, you know, when the time comes and we all have to, if, if, if the world ends and we all have to be alone, maybe there's a place like a dream we can hide in together a place where we can all be on the street and hang out together and, and, and be not alone. And, and this, and I'm saying this from a very silly song where he lights a cigarette on a cigarette on a, on a parking meter where uh, he tries to mate with someone and she runs away from him, you know, but um, 
This, uh, it's, it's, I got a lot to say, Rob. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I've got like four things going on in my head right now, but I, I'll just say that I think, um, I, I think it's, it's just wonderful that when it starts off, it seems a bit jumbled and crazy, but then in the end, he kind of pulls it all together yes, when everyone yes. is having the dreams and he just says, you know, I'll let you be in my dream if I can be in yours. And it's like, it doesn't matter all the craziness that just went on. This is the important moment here. Yeah. I, well, okay. Yeah. Um, again, Dan, there's so many things I got to respond to. <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, again, the, the, you know, it's, it's a blues. It's got blues right in the yes, title. Yes. And, of course, the, the, the whole notion of the blues is that even though you're experiencing sadness or pain or whatever, by the mere act of singing about it, you are exercising mm-hmm. those demons to a certain extent. To some level, you're able to sing about it, and therefore you are – conquering the blues or at least holding the blues at bay a little bit and it's got mm-hmm. the you know it's got the word blues right in there in the title yes and of course by meeting the doctor and the doctor commiserating with you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the blues that's you're 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 yes. sharing you this someone. yes you yes. found someone that you're sharing this pain with within the within the song rather than yeah making it the person you're singing to, which right, is just yeah, nice within there, the yeah. Right, within the reality of the song. But then it also re- made me think, again, in the final verse, like you talk about, he, he kind of ties it all together at the end because this song, you know, you mentioned, is almost seven minutes. And you would think, yes. well, that, how does, is this not going to wear out its welcome at, at seven minutes for Pete Six? But he ties it all together at the end. And it, it also reminded me a little bit of the old Pagliacci joke, you know, oh, which is yeah. the whole thing about the clown who is sad and it feels, you know, that nothing in life is, is worth living for. And it's, everything's grim. And he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, go see Pagliacci. you will make you feel better. And well, doctor, <laughs> I am Pagliacci. You know, I mean, it's, it's that kind of same thing where it's like you, you're, you're going to this doctor hoping the uh-huh. doctor is going to get you out of it. You know, the doctor will prescribe something maybe or whatever. I mean, back in 63, they probably did nowadays. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to know what they prescribed. Yeah. Yeah. In 63, they would maybe offer some comfort in medically Mm -hmm. or something. And here's the doctor saying, oh yeah, no, I have those same dreams. Yes. He he, he does his best in the first verse. You know, there are dreams that are only in your head, but then something triggers him uh, to, to say, I got to hear what this young man has to say. And, and it's, it's, it's the end of the world. It's the mm-hmm. end of the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I cut you off. You No, no, not at all. And of course the line that you just quoted, I'll let you be in my dreams. If I can be in yours yes. I mean, for a song that didn't really have any life outside of this record. It wasn't like this was released as a single or, uh, you know, they really, anybody did anything much with it. There are covers of it and stuff, but it's been, it's been that line. Uh, mm-hmm. I, then this, I found on, on uh, by doing my research, which is amazing. Beyonce, of all people, oh wow, quoted the line on Instagram when she was preparing her self-titled 2013 album, Beyonce, <laughs> which is amazing. And then another wow. actress slash singer, Rita Wilson, as in aka Mrs. Tom Hanks, references mm-hmm. the line in the lyrics to her 2020 single, I Want to Kiss Bob Dylan. When it hurts so good when he oh, says wow. goodbye, saying I'll be in your dreams if you'll be in mine. First of all, yes. I didn't know Rita Wilson did records i didn't know <laughs> neither did i and i never heard of this but it's amazing that this line wow. is kind of buried not buried but it, it comes mm. at the end of a seven minute song which if this song wears out it's welcome you're not getting to the end yes has sort of you know propelled itself out into the culture and then of course if you want to you could say all of bob dylan's 
career is being in your dreams. Yes. If you, he's showing yeah. you his thought dreams, to borrow a phrase from another one of his songs. Mm-hmm. And you're, of course, in, you're, you're in his and he's in yours because he's putting out all this music that you're listening to. So it's like yeah. he's in this song that feels a little throwaway-ish. You may, again, I'm glad you got into it. And in the final verse, he kind of all ties it together with a bow. Yes. And then, as you said about the the um, the way he seems, it seems offhanded. They, when he says, "I said that," that feels like he just thought of it. That yes. feels like he literally just was like, uh, <laughs> "I said that." He he kind of has a uh, I, I can't remember almost like a laugh in his voice. Yep. Like I said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're like uh, check me out. You know. Yeah. I, 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 it's so what's up on this kid? At 22 yeah, years old, 21 years old. Exactly. Exactly. Not something. You know, he wouldn't get to the end and blow in the wind and said, "Bob Dylan challenges you, America." <laughs> no, he would say something like that. Just the way he says, "I said that," is like it's it's fun and it's also like. That's me saying that to you. Yep. So, so please, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, oh, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got some other things. Let it rip, uh, Dan. Let but, it rip. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, where do I, where do I want to go here? <laughs> um, I wrote, now, now I will say this. He does say. First off, I do like that when you're you're. Um, uh, he he does say the it's a lonesome town. And so first I always think maybe he's is he in the old West. Where is he? But then he says he's on 42nd street. So he's in New York city. Um, but, um, but I always like the, the fact that when he mentions the, um, he was down in the sewer with some young lover. Now I know, I know the, I know the story behind the cover of the album, but I like the concept that this is maybe, you know, the narrator of the song. On, oh, and his young lover walking down the street in New York City, and they're about to go in a sewer somewhere, and the apocalypse is going to hit. Now, I know there's no way in hell that they base the cover of the freewheeling Bob Dylan around talking World War Three blues. <laughs> no. But, but I would say this. One, what happens to the young lover who's down in the sewer? I think that's the most dreamlike of the um, stanzas, because all the other stanzas are like um, – lighting a cigarette and going to the fallout shelter and someone shoots at him trying to talk to someone. And they're, they're so afraid that you're a communist, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be funny. It's like, you always say better dead than red and the apocalypse hits. You think you're the only person there. And the first person you meet is a communist. And you, and you think I, everyone died. <laughs> and the only other person is, is a red. What the hell do I do? And as he also meets the woman. So I will say that like one, what happened to the gal in the sewer? Now I know it is a dream and it doesn't matter really. Um, and I, I want to say, I guess, I guess is it 3 AM when this happens? Cause yes. it says the lights came on. Okay. All right. Cause for some reason I always thought it was 3 PM, but then I, I listening closely. I was like, no, it must be. Must, and then when he goes out, everything's on fire and crazy and that's unpleasant. Um, but, uh, but, but it's funny cause he says I'm all alone, but he encounters at least three people. Right. Right. And I and I, I would have loved it if there was a sequel or something where you learned that maybe the doctor was one of them, you know, or something like that. You know, I'm, I'm not meaning to make this like we're doing a time thing where we're going to tie it all in. But it is, he does say he was all alone, um, but there are three, at least three other people there. And uh, now they're not nice to him. So it's, it's, it's funny because I guess, I guess if he's feeling like he's in a lonesome town and then when everyone's dead except three other people, and they don't want to talk to him. It's the same lonesome town, but now he knows the people personally that won't talk to him. 
<laughs> and in the, in the past, it was a nameless mass of people that wouldn't co- converse with him or be his friend. And now it's, oh, the guy with the gun, the guy who hates communists, and the gal who won't talk to me. Oh, boy. I guess that makes it even lonelier, huh? Like if you, you know, it's, it's one thing to stand in the middle of a crowd and like, like an Edgar Allan Poe man in the crowd, you know, it's one thing to be in the middle of a crowd and not have anyone see you, but it's another, if they're only four, if you're on the moon and they're only four, you know, it's like if, if, um, you know, like, um, Buzz Aldrin had pretended like the other guys weren't there, (laughs) you know, uh, Buzz, what's Neil doing? Neil who? No, no, there's, there are two other guys there. Are there? I don't see anyone. I'm on the moon. You know, it's 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 like I guess unless you have a huge ego, you you would feel you would feel lonesome. Um, and I like that too. The thought that you know, feeling as 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 lonesome with a huge crowd that you don't know and they don't know you and they don't know your worth. Um, as uh, feeling as lonesome with three people who must know that everyone else is dead. But, but they're so wrapped up in whatever they're doing, they don't care. Oh, now you mentioned you mentioned, you mentioned the uh, the the world, the flesh, and the devil. Oh which yes, came yes. out in 1959. Yes. And I, I've not seen that film, um, but uh, Sidney Poitier, the late Sidney Poitier, is in that. Isn't that Sidney well, it's, Poitier? It's, uh, it's Harry Belafonte. Or Harry Belafonte. I'm sorry. Yes. Harry, that's no, no, it's a Harry Belafonte, Mel Ferrer, and. Inger Stevens, I think. Okay, right, right. Yeah, so, and, yes. you know, Bob is a big movie guy. Everybody knows that. You and can he tell, was a yeah. sponge for that yeah. stuff. And I have to wonder, did that, you know, uh, seep oh. into his consciousness? Did he see it? Now, you mentioned earlier The Twilight Zone. And yes. that, is, I, I can't help but feel that that has not seeped into this I, song. It, so, it really has that kind of feel. You could, you could sort of imagine Rod Serling um doing this sort of I was thing? that's what I was gonna say that's one of their kind of like lighter episodes, yes, you know, Mr. Dingle yeah. the Strong kind of deal. I was actually I had here could be a short film. Yeah. 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 I, I think yeah, like a Mr. Dingle the Strong. Yeah. Cavendish is coming, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I uh and it's it's weird because when I was listening to this, I was I was taking notes, I was like, oh that's um I'm I'm thinking of Twilight Zone kind of stuff, like um uh, the the post apocalyptic ones, uh, time enough at last, of right, course, with Burgess Meredith, yes, yeah. uh, two with Elizabeth Montgomery, and then there's the old man in the cave, and there were a few other ones, and um, and it was funny because I was thinking, I, I bet Bob had uh, obviously seen some of those Twilight Zones, and then I thought, boy, I'm an idiot. The Twilight Zone was still on the air yep. when this album came out. <laughs> yep. I, I looked it up um, four days before this album came out. The last episode of season four, the hour-long season, aired, and that was The Bard, the one where the TV writer somehow gets uh, Shakespeare to write for him, uh, modern day. He, it's it's kind of like a Bill and Ted kind of thing almost. <laughs> this, this, this producer or writer can't get good scripts written, so somehow he gets Shakespeare from the past to join him. So Shakespeare writes this, writes this beautiful stuff and the sponsors just tear it apart and change everything. It drives <laughs> Shakespeare nuts. And I, I, I looked up to it was um, when he recorded this song, it was in between. What is it? The, oh, what is it? The, the, is it the strange world of Horace Ford? I forget what the episode is called, but it's, it's, it's an episode. One of those, an older gentleman goes back into his past to try to, change things and relive things and that and the episode it was in between that one and on thursday we leave for home which is probably one of the best hour-long episodes about a um 
a colony on a planet in the year 2021, I believe. Um, Something like that. Um, And it's a colony because the Earth's gone to absolute garbage. But the colony is crap, too. And so the people, the people want to go back to earth, but the leader doesn't want them to go. And, um, but it's, it's, so, so I'm looking at it here and I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Just, just a brief tangent. Um, when I, this, this is just me thinking about how dumb that was where I thought, Oh, Bob probably watched some twilight zones and then thinking, Oh wait, twilight zone was on the air when he was writing this. I was, um, and this is probably a dumb story, but, um, back when I was in high school, my first, and this was the 1990 my first very steady girlfriend, uh, she loved the Beatles and I bought her um, the first couple Beatles albums. And I, and she was looking at them, looking at some of the songs and she recognized some of the titles. And I leaned in and I said, Oh, and they do some oldies too. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, what? They, they do some oldies. They do like uh, you know, money, money and stuff like that. So some oldies. And she said, this album's from 1964. This is 1990. They're all oldies. I was like, you know, I never thought of that. And I, the same thing with this. I was like, it, it didn't occur to me that Bob is right there in the midst of, uh, like I said, um, uh, five day the world ended on the beach. All those, um, uh, all those post-apocalyptic things were, were huge. And, and yeah, since I, I wasn't actually quite sure how much he, he um, knew of entertainment, entertainment and stuff at that time but i was fairly certain that he watched a lot of it oh yeah i think he's an absolute sponge for this stuff i mean and and if you get if you scan through the twilight zone for a show that was on for five years a disproportionate i mean obviously any show that's a sci-fi show and Mm -hmm. a sci-fi show that's an anthology show is going to burn through concepts pretty fast yes but it but any even so that show has a, I would argue, disproportionate amount of post-apocalyptic stories. Yes, which means it was clearly yeah. on everybody's mind at the time. Which exactly. how could it not be? Yeah, if yeah, if Rod Serling is is writing it, then it was something that was was in the the zeitgeist at yep. the time. Yeah, so yeah, uh, so so that's yeah, that's that's yeah. I, I when I sort of look at the um the post-apocalyptic stuff that was in the yeah in the air at that time, I was like, this is this is like him parodying it slightly and and then treating it seriously in the mm-hmm. end which which is why it works so well i think because each verse has a little gag in it and and then but then in the end and then e- even the way it's like um uh, it's like uh you know some time ago a crazy dream came to me dreamt i was walking through world war three and it has that walk and that kind of thing but then when it, i'm sorry i've just desecrated the song but you know what i mean the the, the beat of it there um uh, when when you get to the final bit where he um says the some people are doing da da da, being my dream, I being yours, the uh sort of the rhythm kind of settles down slightly, and so it's walking the, almost the whole time, and then when he gets to the very end, the beat kind of quiets down as he says this, and then he says the final moment, and then we go. So it's kind of like it stops walking, and stands still for a moment to ask you a question. And then it walks its way out the door, kind mm. of. And I, I like, I like that. That's why Bob's great. That's that's why that's the kind of stuff, you know. That's that's why we love him. You know? Yeah, I mean, if the song was just a joke, it would wear out its welcome. And, yes, you know, it would. It couldn't last seven minutes. You would go, oh my god. And and to be fair, I find some of Bob's uh, quote unquote funny songs. Don't always little... hold up. Right? Motorcycle <laughs> nightmare. That's not one I really yeah, need to hear yeah. a whole lot. But this is like. <laughs> and he I mean like in here he gets in a dig on advertising and the man loves to dig yes. you know 
they, the whole idea that he steals a Cadillac. Yeah, and he's driving yeah. it down to Forty Second Street, and then he goes in my Cadillac. Good car to drive after a war. After a war, which, which you could imagine some advertiser saying, "That's, that's not a bad line." That's a great line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, like it, just the guy, a guy in the foreground, just a good-looking guy in the car, and the background there's a mushroom cloud. Yeah, they might have come the, up with that at Sterling Cooper. That might have yeah, exactly, been a thing. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely possible. Yeah, you totally can imagine a marketing yes. guy saying, "Look, we're going to have to capture that uh, slightly irradiated that market." And yes. uh, <laughs> the slightly irradiated. <laughs> <laughs> got to get these people. You got to come on. Yeah. Right? So, so that absolutely you could see, that. and so it, and it's because he's veering in in between in that, and and like you said again, I keep I, I'm so glad that you were you sort of crystallize it because as I listen to the song. And I was reading the lyrics and I was, I even listened to a cover uh, by a band called Crocodile, <laughs> oh, which, which sets huh. it to like almost like a subterranean homesick blues kind of rap or it's okay, like, baga, yeah. baga, baga, baga. but like, as I was listening to it, it was like, okay, what? And, and, and I, what, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then when you said it, it, yes, he sort of ties it all, all these, what sounds like a guy who's just shooting the shit yes. he's recording it and putting on a record the way he pulls it all together gives it like, oh, no, no, no. He knew where he was going the whole time. Yes. But he just made it sound like he didn't, which is the, the hallmark of kind of a good actor almost, where it's yes. someone who is sounds like they're improvising, but no, it's written down to the mm-hmm. word, but he's able to deliver it in a way that it sounds that way. And that's that's kind of what he's doing here. Yeah. And uh, the 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 one, one of the things I like with the, with the verses, because I, 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 I just um, – uh, I had, had a quick look at the verses and I, I like the way that it goes from, so he gets, and again, uh, I hope his lover in the sewer is okay. Uh, because I feel like some of the like alligators and things in the sewer might be affected by the radiation. I'm not saying we're getting giant alligators, but I might be saying that. And, <laughs> Robert uh, Forster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, written by John sales. Oh, it'll be great. <laughs> um, uh, um, but I, I like the, the, um, the, this sort of the way he, he, he gets out of the, he gets out of the, the sewer and he looks around, lights a cigarette. He encounters the guy who shoots at him. He encounters the guy who thinks he's a communist. Um, he encounters the woman and then he winds up, I guess, back in his apartment or wherever, trying to listen to the Connell rad, but it, it ain't working. I imagine it's not working because everyone's dead. And I think it's like the on the beach thing with the um, is it the is it like a bottle or something that keeps that's tapping against the Morse code and sending out Morse? Code? I haven't seen on the beach. Oh, and, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Oh I yeah, because because I, I want to say uh, uh, that 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 there's a portion of it where they are receiving a Morse code from somewhere. They think someone's alive, but they go to a Morse code station, and there's like like a bottle or something has like fallen on something else. And it's just kind of as the wind blows in through a window, it's just bouncing on Morse code on a, on a, on a what is the Morse code thing called? It's not a Morse code thing that I don't know what it ever it is. I don't know what it's called. You know what I mean? Beep, beep, yeah. beep, beep. It's yeah. doing the thing. Yeah. And so it's just sending out these random messages. And that's why like they were hearing messages and like, what the heck are these messages? And then they get there and they just find out it's like a Coke bottle or something just bouncing on the buttons. And, um, and so that's what I fear like the Connell Red is at that point. It's just like the world's over and um, there's no one there's no one monitoring anything. And then I always like I, I always did like and I did look up to see if this was a song. As far as I could tell, it's not a song, although there is now a band 
called this. But when turned on my record player, it was Rocket Day Johnny singing, Tell your ma, tell your pa, our loves are going to grow. Wah, wah. <laughs> And I was, I was like, because it's kind of, it's, 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 it's silly, but it's also kind of um, sweet and sad because obviously their love's not going to grow because they're dead. And, <laughs> and I, so I looked up Rocket A. Johnny and there is a band called Rocket A. Johnny, um, but they're from like the past um, decade or two. They're not I like, because gotcha. okay. I thought maybe this was like a, like a fifties doo-wop hit that I didn't know. But as far as I can tell, it's not. I, the only thing is when I when I hear, see the ooh ah ooh ah, I think of why do fools fall in love? Fall in love, sure, yeah. That's how it starts. Is that ooh ah? Yeah, it starts out with that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, very and, good, Dan. Oh, oh, sure, sure. Immediately. <laughs> um, and and then it goes and because uh, uh, the the verses go from he's he's actually seeing people to he tries the Connell Red, which should have the government. There's nothing but he didn't there. pay the bill. He didn't pay. But he didn't pay the bill. He didn't pay the bill. I think he he he's just goofing there because I think there's nothing going on. I think he's just he's he's um, it's a little cognitive dissonance or something going there where he's like, I paid the bill. Why is there <laughs> nothing on the emergency system? What's going on? So part of him is saying, Wait, did you pay the bill? I didn't pay the bill. But part of him is saying, You paid the bill. You paid the bill, so I think that's that's him arguing with himself in his mind. Also, it's a dream, and and then the last verse before the doctor interrupts him is him being very lonesome and blue. And I like I was feeling kind of lonesome and blue, which is a very bluesy way to begin yeah. something. But usually, not everyone in the world is dead. And then it goes into him calling, and I like, and I, I'm actually looking at the lyrics on uh, on the website bobdylan.com, mm-hmm. and I know there were different versions of the song recorded, but it just says, "So I called up the operator of time just to hear a voice of some kind." I like he called up the operator of time, which is, I believe, fought the Justice League. In the yes, 1960s, exactly, exactly, I exactly. I was going to say that was a Super Friends villain yeah. <laughs> from season three, I think. Um, and when you hear the beep, will be three o'clock. She said that for over an hour, and I hung up. And I like that he. He, he comes out of the sewer. He sees what's happened. He encounters people who ignore him or try to kill him or run away from him. And then he can't get to the government where there should be something. He hears a song. He hears a voice. And then he's sitting quietly wherever he's sitting. And I'd love to know where the dream would gone next, but the doctor stops him at that point. Maybe that's where the dream ended. Maybe that's where he woke up in it. I don't know. But uh, I love the fact that it's, it's still funny. But it's kind of when you hear when you hear the beep will be three o'clock. I heard she said that for an hour, and I hung up. Is a little less funny. It's meant to be, and it's more. It's becoming much sadder as it goes along. And, but luckily, the doctor wakes him up, and we get the revelation that everyone's encountering this. So yeah, it's 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 one of those songs where you, you know, what what a good storyteller, you know, a good storyteller, to, you know, is tells. You know, you, you look at it, and there's so much to, to get out of it. That and, and, and I actually, right after I told you, let's do this song, I listened to it, and I thought, apart from a couple moments, this is like the most straightforward song I can think of <laughs> that he's done. You know, it's a bunch of post-apocalyptic cliches, and then him saying, let's share the, mm-hmm. after, the, the apocalypse. But actually, there's, there's some more stuff going on in here, I think. 
Uh, the the line about uh, when he, he listened to the lady for over an hour mm-hmm. uh, that always makes me think of and you know because I have TV on the brain like you do. But there's a there's a line in an episode of Mash, which you know, mm-hmm. we all know how much I love, where <laughs> they talk about that one of the I think it's Radar. He says that he called that number that mm-hmm. says what time it is in Ottumwa, Iowa, his hometown. And he said, oh, I listened for 15 minutes. Yes. And it's, you know, it's not, yeah. it's meant to be funny, but it's also meant to be sad that he's so lonesome and he's so homesick yes. that he would listen to a recording saying the same thing for 15 minutes straight just because it reminds him of home. Yes. And it's got yeah. that melancholy to it of like, well, this is what you're, you're so longing for a human connection, any human mm-hmm. connection. And of course, yes. Bob is the wars, the world has been destroyed that he will listen to a recording of a long dead person. Yes. Uh, which of course we all will be doing uh, eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and we do right now in a lot of ways, uh, yeah, yeah. We listen to recordings of long dead people, mm-hmm. but it has that, that same kind of feel to it. So yeah, it's like, it's on the, from the title and from the outset, it seems like the whole thing's a goof. Mm-hmm. And then the more you listen to it, you go, no, no, there's no. a lot more going on here, which gives it more life. And yes. related to that, when I looked it up on the website, now, this had only been played live 15 times, which is not a lot, obviously. Uh-huh. But he kept playing it long – well, not long, but he, he played it into 1965, which wow. I was shocked yeah. that it lasted wow. that long into the set list. Because you're talking 65. Mm-hmm. He's already finished bringing it all back home. Yes. He has moved on in his own mind to these other kinds of songs and blown it – like songs like Blown in the Wind mm-hmm. and Don't Think Twice – were put aside like Mm -hmm. you know very consciously put aside in favor of these new things that he was writing and yet this song made it as late as 1965 (laughs) i was genuinely shocked at that wow yeah that's it's it's i mean at the end of the day it's a fun song is Mm -hmm. is is part of it i mean it's and the great thing too is if you don't like bob's voice singing voice he doesn't sing on this so there's nothing to complain about. Right. You're, here to, talking, yeah. you're here to storyteller tell a story. So mm-hmm. so there's something about that when you get into it and the rhythm's going. And and I, I would like I would like to just mention here, because I mentioned it earlier, I absolutely love the harmonica breaks in between each stanza because you never know what he's it's like one of them he'll go like and then one will go and then one will go like I said, like he's doing a guitar solo or something like that. You know, like, and, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's, I, I think, I think it's very much like it, it maybe was just, um, the, in, in the part of my mind, since he was improvising, a part of it was, um, you know, like, I can't think of what to say next. So I'm just going to play lots of harmonica until I do. I don't want to say that because that sounds, you know, I don't want to be a jerk but but I, I like the fact that you know like as he's going along and some of the uh instrumental breaks get crazier and crazier and you're like it's almost like when, when you hear people make fun of bob dylan and play like harmonica really loud or in a strange manner um it's almost this that they're playing right here but i think bob here is like as the as the song as as the narrator uh, the world gets smaller and smaller around him the harmonica solos get crazier in between each stanza. And I don't know what that means. I think it's just Bob having fun at the end of the day is what it is. It's just Bob sitting with harmonica, having a good time, probably really enjoying. That's probably what it is. Like every verse 
he gets done and he's like, that was a good one. And then he does another one. And it's just, it's, 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 um, it's, it's kind of a, um, the humor and the darkness of the lyrics mixed with, <laughs> with these crazy little harmonica solos. Um, just, uh, and I actually forgot all about them until I actually, uh, cause I, I, I can, I can, I can sort of see the song and hear the song in my head, but I don't hear the, the harmonica bits. I just hear him talking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it isn't so you actually listen to you're like, Oh wow, that's pretty crazy. Where you go? Where you go? Where you go there, Bob? You go, one of them scared my dog. He heard it at one point. One of the solos, he got up and left the room. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't blame the dog for that. No, that's no, no. <laughs> Bob was. I like. To, I like. I said. I like to think it was Bob having fun. He's Absolutely. he's really he's really enjoying himself. He he he's like like I said. He's it's 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 a sci-fi song. I mean, how many of those has Bob done? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't heard all of Bob's songs. Probably <laughs> probably a lot. Does he have an album of sci-fi songs? <laughs> if he did with Hawkwind, did I? Did yeah, I miss no, that? yeah, he did tour with yeah. Hawkwind. But he, Bob never did his prog rock album with the, you know, <laughs> no, nothing like that. Well, he did the long songs, the, 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 but he always does them so nicely. You know, it's always like whatever. Like one of my favorite uh, Bob songs is Percy's song from Biograph, mm-hmm. which I absolutely adore, and that's like eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. And that's so quiet and so lovely. I, I just love that. So he so, does like his long songs. What, what, actually, when, when I first started listening to Bob, if I saw a song was long, I kind of knew I'd like that more than some of the songs that were shorter. Now, now I'm fine with whatever. Mm-hmm. I was younger then. I'm older than that now, you know. So, uh, and and so well so, but, but that but that was the thing is if I saw a song with even uh, motorcycle uh, nightmare. Uh, you know that was eight minutes long. I was like, I am going to love this. Now I don't know if I don't know if I love it, but if I'm in the right frame, if I'm really, sometimes when I put another another side of Bob Dylan on, I'm I get really into it, and when I do, I love it, love it. If I just put it on for fun, I get about halfway into the song and start looking at the uh, looking at the remote. Like, <laughs> should, I, should I hop ahead? And I'm like, no, Dan, you're not going to hop ahead. You're going to listen to it because you know, you're. I'm- you're a good I'm kind, boy. I'm, I'm kind of getting that way with movies now, where I either tend to like movies that are three hours or 80 minutes. And if they're in between, I'm like, oh, oh like, you know? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Does this yeah. thing really need to be 132 minutes? <laughs> yes, exactly. Does it really? Exactly. Come on, exactly. Judd Apatow. Come on, learn how to edit. What are you doing? So, uh, so well, well, uh, my goodness, Dan. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that we managed to get almost an hour out of talking World War oh, Three Blues. Oh gosh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's you uh, and we, we didn't. Get... May I say we didn't even mention? Give me a string bean <laughs> that he yells out to the guy who shoots at him. I don't know what's that about. I don't know what that. Why does he? This is. I don't know why. I, Do you? I, I, is that no? No. Of okay. Course okay. No, no idea. Oh, I thought I thought maybe that was like like you know like if you listen to because uh, I've been listening to a lot of Frank Zappa um, there's a lot of little things he repeats throughout albums like bits will come up and yes. themes and and bits of lyric and characters and I don't know if they like the string bean was like a wink wink you're a true Dylan fan if you you're on the string bean train and so I I wasn't sure. <laughs> But I didn't mean to cut you off, string. No, no, of course not. So, okay. all right. Well, so okay, as, as we're wrapping up here, is there anything else you want to get in about talking World War Three Blues before? You we, know what? You know? Give me ten seconds to just look through my thing. You talk. And okay. I'll, look, I'll just look all through right. My well, we'll, we'll we'll end the way we've been ending all the shows lately. Is uh, the question from uh, the Pomegranate County Irregulars, Dan? Where you 
We're invited to a Bob Dylan tribute concert, and you're on first. What song would you perform? Oh, um, I was just say if I could remember all the lyrics, like Rosemary, Jack of Hearts, I might do, but that's that's a lot of lyrics. That's all um, right. You can have them in front of you. This would um, be a nice crowd. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. You know what? I'd actually like to do Talking World War Three Blues now that okay. we're doing it. I think mm-hmm. I think if I went out there and I just did because one. Uh, my 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 voice as I get older I can't I can't hit as many notes as I used to when I was in the choir back at St Margaret Mary's in uh, fourth grade, and so talking World War Three I think it would be fun you'd make the crowd laugh and once you, once you, uh, and and they'd be interested and then at the end they'd be like ah so that's you pull in the crowd and they're completely there so when I got off the stage and whoever came up next and played next they'd have a crowd who was like oh what's next do it. Go. That's good. Yeah, that's a good, good, good way to start a show. Absolutely. So, all right. So, he said, is there anything else we want to you want to mention uh, about the song? <laughs> I was we, answering the question. I didn't really. No, I'm kidding. Um, I didn't see around. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I did wonder. I, I did wonder what sort of um, uh, uh, dream the doctor did have because he's the doctor says something like, "I had the same dream. I didn't see you around." Mm. And I thought, I wonder if. They're all like on the same street. Like may- maybe one of those things were like, like an H.P. Lovecraft from beyond kind of thing where like you're standing in a room and there are a thousand monsters in the room, but they're all invisible. You can't, they're in another dimension. Is it something like where um, you're walking down a street and like suddenly like a ghost filter would go on and you see a thousand people walking around you all lost as you are not seeing each other. And then the filter goes off and it's just you. So I'm wondering if the doctor is, if he, if he's on the same street, maybe he's, you know, got a lover in the sewer. Like, don't make love in the sewer. I just, that's just the thing you should know. I know Bob's having a dream and having fun with it, but this is just a tip from me to you, listener. Keep out of the sewers for lovemaking. It's, <laughs> it's, it's messy. There is no better way to end the show than that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yet. Please. So uh, why, don't, <laughs> why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Oh, yes. Um, I, I do a couple of podcasts. I have one called Adventure Super Train, um, which is covering old, uh, short-lived TV shows. Rob, uh, some time ago, and hopefully maybe we'll, we'll find another show we can bring you on for sometime soon. Um, he, he was on We Talked Police Squad. We oh, talked all six episodes. the best times I've ever had on a podcast. It was a lot of fun, and right now, as of as of this recording, we are discussing uh, the show is in three segments. Each segment discusses one episode of a show, so consider it to be like three like mini podcasts within one, like an umbrella kind of thing. And right now, we are discussing uh, myself and a friend are discussing uh, the show Search, which is a spy show from the early seventies, created by Leslie Stevens of The Outer Limits. Um, we are discussing a uh, Kolchak. Um, which just, I think the, the Night Stalker just aired, uh, had its 50th anniversary, 49th anniversary or something like a few weeks ago. And then we are also discussing Battlestar Galactica. And, um, and we discuss all sorts of shows from all from the, uh, the 50s to the 2000s on there. And uh, that's sort of the main show I do. I'm also on another show called Made for TV Mayhem uh, with the great Amanda Reyes, who's, uh, yep. who, who's, been, yeah, who's, been, on, who's been on some, uh, some shows uh, with you here, Rob. I, I forget, what was she on? Yeah, she's, she's been on uh, MASHcast with me. Yes, yes, yes. She's, uh, Amanda's incredible. And she, she has a book called Are You in the House Alone, which is a TV movie a compendium, which I may have written a few reviews for. Yeah, like, great uh, book. I have it uh, on yeah, my show. Yeah, oh, the, hey. And um, – I think I wrote the Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park review, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, 
but she's the she's the main host, and it's myself and our friend Nathan Johnson, who's the host of the probably the I think the best slasher movie podcast around. The hysteria continues, and we discuss TV movies, uh, usually two per episode. Uh, it's made for TV mayhem show, and um, I also I also do a Happy Days podcast called Rockin' All Week with You. I'm at the start of season six. And I do some other stuff involving minute by minutes through horror movies that, you know, is not everyone's cup of tea, but I get a kick out of it. So if you go to eventuallysupertrain.blogspot.com, you'll find all the info you need. And I've also have several books out. I had a book out at the end of last year, 2021, called um, From Beverly Hills to Hooterville, Exploring TV's Headingverse, 1962 to 1971, which is a book that contains 666 reviews of all the episodes of the Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, and Green Acres in broadcast order. The book's about 760 pages long. It's a joy. I recommend it highly. Get it on Amazon. And I have, I have other books. I have a kid's book called Arthur Bertrand and Constance, which is Kindle only. And then a book called Bleeding Skull, a, 19 or, a 1980s trash horror odyssey, and 80s action movies on the cheap. And lots of stuff going on, lots of fun stuff. And jumping around, I'm going to start working on a new book soon. It'll be great. And um, thanks for having me on, Rob. I, it's, I, I miss talking about Dylan because uh, when, I, when I talk about Dylan, I talk with him by myself in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets it gets really indulgent. Yeah, I mean, every every so often, I would I would do the little mental rolldex. I'd say, God, I got to get Dan back on. It's been, <laughs> and then it would like keep you know keep going. It would be it's been two and a half years. It's been three years. It's been four. Years. You know, I'm like, what yeah. the heck? It's been five years. So it's great. Yeah, we always have fun together. We've done Peace yes. Squad on your show. We did a mm. great uh, show on uh, uh, In Search of. Oh, that's F- a good one. FW presents. That was a lot of fun. And we won't spoil it just yet, but we are. Going to do something this year for an album that turns 35. Let's say yes, we will yes, finally yes, yes, get yes, around yes. to doing oh, I can't this, wait. This, yeah. this project. So, uh, again, Dan, thank you so much. It's always of a pleasure to talk to you. It's thank a, you. Thank you. It was, it was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, everybody, you can find back episodes of the show. Go to our website, finewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com. Slash FW Podcast, and they're going to lock various rewards. One of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So, big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hustle, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, and Paul Ruther for their support of Pod Dylan. I very much appreciate it. That's going to do it. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Twilight Zone has been brought to you by Studebaker Corporation and your Studebaker dealer.